0: What's up, church? Oh, stop it. Stop it. Stop it. (laughs) You sound good. I don't know which location you're watching this from, but Littleton's on fire today. What's up, Littleton, Lakewood, Evergreen, Arvada, Brussels, Belgium, we love you guys so much. Can we make some noise for our family in Brussels? Men and women at both God Behind Bars campuses, you know this. We love you so much. We're glad you're with us today. Hey, and no matter what location you're joining us from today, uh, it's real important that, that you know this right up top. I don't know what your church background is or past church experiences have been. Maybe they've been fantastic. Maybe they weren't. I don't know if you've been around people who claim to be Christ followers. I don't know if you spent time around church people. Maybe that went great for you, maybe it didn't. But here's what I want you to know. In this house, in this church family, no matter what you've been through, no matter what you're going through, whether you think I've never been farther from God or I've never felt closer to God, no matter what, in this house, you're valued, you're loved, you're welcomed, you're accepted. We're glad you're here. So welcome to Red Rocks Church. I know that a bunch of you, you have not been a part of this church for very long, so I wanted to start today by putting up a picture of my amazing wife. Would you put that up? That was a recent date night with me and Jill. We've been dating for a long time. In fact, I just asked her this week, I said, will you preach to the whole church on Mother's Day? And she said, if I'm really good, that she will. And so we're going to finally get some talent on this stage, so that's going to be good. Um, we've been married, uh, we just crossed over 19 years. Isn't that awesome? 19 years she's been putting up with me. She is one of the kindest, most loving, gentle, patient people I've ever met. And, and, but I'll tell you what, when she gets angry, she's violent. <laughs> All right? All right, maybe not. But, you know, she doesn't really get mad and like yell and throw things. She, she, she gets worse. She gets disappointed. You know that? Like, I'd rather you cuss at me, like Chad. You know what I mean? But no, disappointed. And so, but I'll tell you what sets her off, is if we got a whole bunch of company coming over every now and then, we'll invite family and friends over. And, and here's what drives her crazy. If we're all getting ready for company, um, and me and our three boys are sitting on the couch, not helping get ready for company. It, and, and me and my three sons, we can multitask and do absolutely nothing at the exact same time. We can listen to music, play a game on our phone, and watch March Madness all at once. And, but it drives my wife crazy. And come on, some of you wives, some of you moms, you know, if you came over to our house and you saw us sitting on the couch watching, right, watching a show and listening to music while she's getting ready for everybody, you'd be throwing stuff at us, wouldn't you? Like, that'd be that's crazy, right? I heard a yes, a passionate yes. It'd be crazy, right, if we just sit around and and listen to music and watch shows while while she's doing all the getting ready for company. Well, I'm glad you brought that up, church, because (laughs) Easter is right around the corner. And listen, we're going to have more company than we'll have any weekend the entire year. We're going to have more friends, more family, more people visiting our church family, our house, than we will have the entire year. How crazy would it be if you came in here, sat on your butt, listened to music, and watched a show while everybody else prepared the way for company? Oh, it got quiet all of a sudden. (laughs) That'd be crazy, wouldn't it? And I know you don't want to be that. Listen, here's my plea. My plea. If this is your church family, we need your help. We got a lot of company coming over. We need you to help us get ready for that company. We need you to help us greet the company. We need you to help them make real, make them feel real special when they show up. So here's my ask. Pick up your app on your phone. If you don't have a, a phone with the app, then you can do this in the lobby. But there's a join the team button on the front page of the app. We'll have 33 services at seven locations for Easter pick two of them. Go to one and serve and then go to the other one and meet your guests because obviously we know this is the one time of year that our guests are most likely to come to church with us, right? Take 33 of those services. If this is your church family, pick two of them. Say, I'm going to go to this one and prepare for some other people's guests. I'm going to go to this one and hang out with mine. All right? Can we do that? All right, I love you guys, but we need you. Hey, we're in this series called Live Free. It's week 732, and I don't know if we're going to end anytime soon. We've been looking at Galatians 5.1. We've been all over the Bible, but we've been looking at it through the lens of Galatians 5.1. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. And we've been talking about all kinds of things that we want God to set us free from, that he's already set us free from, how we can stand up and fight for our freedom. And we talked about how there's two different levels of freedom going on there. There's the freedom that Christ provided us when he set us free from sin and death, when he died on the cross and paid the price for our sins and set us free from sin and death. And Paul says it's for freedom... Freedoms in the here and now, it's for freedoms that he also has set us free. So he said, you can have both. You can be set free from sin and death eternally and experience freedom in the here and now. So we've been talking about how we can experience freedom from things like worry and pain and fear and approval addiction and sin and the list goes on and on, right? Because we're in week 700 and something. Today, though, I want to talk to you about not just being set free from something, I want to talk to you about being set free to experience something. We've talked about being set free from. I want to talk about today being set free to. I believe that one of the things that Jesus died on a cross to provide for us wasn't just our eternal salvation, but in the here and now, he gave us the right, the authority, the freedom to enjoy today. Now, I know that may not sound very spiritual, but I think it's real spiritual because if we're honest, most of us, we live with a, I'll enjoy my salvation. I'll enjoy my life. I'll have peace. I'll have stability. I'll have, we say this, I'll be happy, right? Someday. And I believe we're free to enjoy today, right? Someday. When When I graduate junior high, well, then, when I graduate high school, then, whoo, then it's going to be, when I graduate from college, then, someday, when I find that right person, then I'll have peace, then I'll have joy, then I'll feel happy, then I'll get settled, right? Then life will start to work out, when I, when, when, when we can finally have a baby, someday, and then it's, oh, dear Lord, someday when this baby sleeps, then I'll have peace and joy, right? And someday when the kids grow up and turn out the way we hope and someday if I get the promotion and someday when this dream in my heart starts to become a reality, right? Someday when my career goes to the next level, someday. And and I'm reading the Bible this week and I'm like, no, Psalm 118.24 says, no, it's not about someday, it's about this day. This day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. See, I believe we've been set free so that we can enjoy today. And I can't speak for all of you, but I can tell you, for me, sometimes this is a struggle and and more times than I'd like to admit. Psalm 51, 12 says, restore to me the joy of your salvation. Those of you who would say, I'm a Christ follower At one point in your life, you realized, I have sin in my life. I need to be forgiven. And I'm going to put my faith in the one and only son of the one and only God and the one and only way to heaven, Jesus. And I believe he is the son of God. I believe he died on a cross, came back to life to prove it. I'm going to put my faith in that. You received salvation. Do you know joy came with that? The day you received salvation, we're, we're told in the word of God that joy came with it. Romans says this, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. Nehemiah says this, the joy of the Lord is your strength. Now, if you've been around church for a while, you've heard those verses. Those are are popular ones. We like those, right? But what you've also done then at times, if you've let those verses sort of sink in, if you've ever sort of thought about them and meditated and really got serious about them, you've probably then followed that up with, well, then why don't I? If joy came with my salvation, then how come I don't... Why don't don't I experience it more often? Have you ever ever been in one of those situations where it's like, I'm supposed to have joy, but I don't? You ever been in a situation like that? I have. I have. It's called Disney World, (laughs) the happiest place on Earth, or the gateway to hell, depending on how you see it. Because I went there with my three kids in August, and it was 150 degrees, 400% humidity, claustrophobic lines everywhere I looked. A bottle of water was 12 bucks. Happiest place on Earth for the owners. We weren't there half a day, and my kids were crying, literally crying, like, please, we're hot, and we're sweaty, and we're thirsty. And I'm like, you can drink tomorrow, 12 bucks for a bottle of water. They're like, can we go back to the hotel? I said, no. You know what I said? You're going to have fun, and you're going to like it. Get in line. (laughs) It's funny when it's Disney World. It's not funny when it's our world though, is it? It's not funny when it's our story, when it's our life, when it's when it's our reality, when we hear people talk about their joy, and we read verses that say, The joy of the Lord is my strength, and yet we can't hardly get out of bed some mornings. We look around at everybody else's joy and go. What about me, God? It's not funny. It's real and it's sad and and, you know, you guys know my story. I tell it all the time. And I was scared to death when I felt like God called me to be a preacher. And, and someone said, you know, if you just preach about the things that you suck at, if you preach about your weaknesses, you'll never run out of stuff to talk about. <laughs> and church family, that's what I'm doing tonight. Because I read the same Bible you do, and I read the same verses on joy that you do, and more days than I'd like to admit, I wind up asking myself, then how come I don't have any? And I'm just going to share some of my issues tonight. And my prayer all week has been, God, take some of my struggles, things that I'm believing you're going to set me free from, but speak to us as a church family through it. And see, sometimes, and I won't speak for you, but sometimes for me, I lose out on joy I could be having today because I'm so busy comparing myself to everybody else. You ever do that? There's this great quote often credited to President Theodore Roosevelt. I don't know if he said it or not, but it's, it's no less true, he said, or someone said and gave him credit. Comparison is the thief of joy. God says it like this. Proverbs 14, envy rots the bones. With the way we do social media today, I don't know that there's ever been a people group more susceptible to the comparison trap than we are today. And it it, it confuses our calling and it steals our joy. Last year, I got invited to come speak at a men's conference and it was at the church where me and Chad both interned to be pastors. So I'm like, no brainer, heck yeah. And so uh, I've been planning on going for a while. Well, one of our friends now runs the church and so Uh, uh, a couple days before I left he sent me like the poster of the conference that they were posting on social media and I wasn't quite as excited because what I realized is is there was a guy named Robert Madu that was going to be speaking with me now if you don't know who he is Google him just don't listen to him preach because you won't come back here I'm gonna tell you that right now (laughs) he's amazing okay and here's what I found out. Robert is going to preach on Friday night, the very first night of the conference, when everybody's like raising their hands and excited and they even jump a little in worship and like the whole thing, it's off the, it's crazy, right? And you know when I got to speak the next morning at 9 a.m., when people don't even want to be alive yet. And then Robert was going to speak again right after me. I'm like, oh, I thought my friend invited me to this. Now, this is a death sentence right here. And, and so I show up to the church. I'd never met him in person, but I'd just heard about him. And I show up in church, at church, and we're both walking in the building at the same time. And I'm sort of walking next to him, and I'm like, huh, a little taller than I thought. <laughs> yeah, good, good for him. Good for tall people. You know what I mean? Whatever. <laughs> And uh, we get inside, and my friend Jeremy introduces us. And as I'm introducing myself to him, I'm, I'm just being honest, right? I told you I'd just lay it out tonight. I'm looking at his jacket, and I'm like, that might be the coolest jacket on the planet right there. Good for him. I bet it's a big and tall, too. You know what I mean? Like, and, and we go in, and we sit down, and we sit on the front row, and he's getting ready to speak, and we're kneeling down to pray. And I'm supposed to be focusing on God, but I look over, and I see his shoes. And I'm like, who is this guy? That's the coolest pair of shoes I've ever seen, and he gets up on stage and he's amazing. And like God just uses him in a powerful way. And then we go out to dinner that night and he's telling me about his, yeah, my schedule's crazy this week cause I'm in New York and LA and then London and Australia and I'm doing a 30,000 person conference at a deal. And I'm like, yeah, I'm about to head back to Littleton, maybe get spicy, go to Arvada. <laughs> so, you know, we all got busy schedules, Robert. And I preached my heart out at 9 a.m. on Saturday morning. And then I drove to O'Hare Airport in complete depression. I'm not even kidding. Like questioning my calling, the whole thing. And my wife calls and she's like, how'd it go, babe? Because she knows it's going to be great. Because why wouldn't it? I'm going back to the church where like me and her met, where I got saved. Of course, it's going to be great. I'm like, it was awful. She goes, what happened? I said, Robert Madu happened? Comparison kills us, doesn't it? What was supposed to be fun, what God meant for joy and to be a huge blessing in my life ended up being real depressing for me. And it's because there was this, there's this biblical principle that I hadn't quite figured out yet. And, and we're gonna look at a guy by the name of David and, and he didn't know it, but he learns it in First Samuel chapter 17. And, 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 the, and the, principle, the principle is this, if I want to experience God's best for my life, And if I want to actually enjoy the process of walking in what he's set out for me to do, here's the principle. I can celebrate your calling, but I gotta walk in mine. I hadn't figured that out yet. I thought if I celebrated your calling, I had to try and make mine look like yours. See, I can celebrate his calling, but I gotta walk in mine. And that's what David was going to learn in 1 Samuel 17. If you've been around church, you know the story of David and Goliath. If you you haven't, you probably still know the story. The Israelites are up against the Philistines, and and out comes this 10-foot giant Philistine, and he says, one, pick anybody in your whole country. You're B.A. when you say pick anybody in your whole country. You know what I mean? Best attitude. You are (laughs) best attitude when you can say anybody in your whole country. He said, pick one guy. You beat me, you win the whole war. And every soldier in the Israelite army went, Mm-mm, no, you going out there. I ain't going out. Look at that dude. No. And here comes David, right? Shepherd boy, not even a soldier. He's coming to bring his brothers some food who are soldiers. He hears what's going on. He's like, I'll fight him. Everybody's like, shut up. And then, and then the king, king Saul is there, like the man, the leader of Israel, the leader of the army, the guy that every Israelite wishes he could be. He goes, bring me this David kid. And David comes up and goes, yeah, man, I'll do it. And he goes, what are you talking about? And David goes, oh, see, back in the field when I was watching dad's sheep, like I killed a lion one day and I killed a bear one day. You should see what God's done. See, here's the thing. He was more focused on his own story than on everybody else's story. It's hard, it's hard to be thankful for your blessings when you're staring at everybody else's all the time. David said, I don't know about your story, but I'll tell you what's been happening in mine. I know I haven't been on the battlefield, but God's been doing some stuff. My story's just different, but I have confidence because of my story and I'll fight him. And Saul goes, okay. Verse 38, then Saul dressed David in his own tunic. He put a coat of armor on him and a bronze helmet on his head. David fastened on his sword over the tunic and tried walking around. I follow you on Instagram and you're the king and you lead the whole, the whole army and the whole deal. And so like if that's how you fight, then that's how I better fight. So, so David actually put Saul's armor on and started walking around in it. Literally walking, trying to walk in Saul's calling. doesn't work, though. Come on, we know what this is like, don't we? I mean, how how often do we get out our phones at night and go like this? How much do they make? (laughs) Oh, 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 that's... That's what a family's supposed to look like. Hmm. That's that's what a successful ministry looks like. Oh, that's what somebody who has a family and also does ministry, that's how it's supposed to work. Hmm. That's how I'm supposed to dress. That's how I'm supposed to walk. That's how I'm supposed to talk. That's how I'm supposed to vacation. That's how I'm supposed to live. Oh, I didn't realize that. And we think if, if God's using them, then I better make my story look like theirs. I better make my walk look like theirs. I better hope my calling ends up looking like theirs. And we try and put on somebody else's armor, don't we? Come on, how many times you get out your phone and start scrolling through stuff, and by the time you put it down, you're just a little bit more depressed, a little bit more insecure, a little bit less excited about your own life, your own story, your own calling, because we get on social media and compare my story to your story. My calling to your calling. And you're successful, so I better try on your armor. Right? And I just want to ask you, you trying to, you trying to wear somebody else's armor right now? You trying to walk in somebody else's calling? Because God's blessing what they're doing, so you trying to make your story look like their story? Steals our joy. Confuses everything that God's trying to lead us to. David came to this realization. Let's, let's keep reading. Let's reread and then we'll keep reading. Saul dressed David in his own tunic. He put a coat of armor on him and a bronze helmet on his head. David fastened on his sword over the tunic and tried walking around. Because he was not used to them, here's what he said. I cannot go in these, he said to Saul, because I'm not used to them. So he took them off. And understand this. The famous story that we all know of the little shepherd boy going out with a slingshot and God's miraculous power taking down a giant and then a nation and then turning this boy into a king. None of it happens if he tries to fight the battle in Saul's armor. None of it happens until he says, you know what? I appreciate your armor, but it doesn't fit me. It would hold me back. I'll celebrate your calling. I got to walk in mine. Who's got my slingshot? And we walk out into the battlefield and go, this is my life, this is my story, this is my calling. I'm going to celebrate it and I'm going to walk in it. There's freedom in that. We get to experience God's plan in that. But there's also joy in that. And I wonder if, if for some of you today, maybe, just maybe, God would say to some of you the same thing he said to me as I was driving to the O'Hare airport feeling sorry for myself because I can't preach like Robert Maducan. can. I'm going through baggage claim, not baggage claim, security, another entrance to hell, just the up back door, <laughs> going through security at the airport, I'm just replaying everything in my mind, and I felt like God said, and when I, sometimes I say like, I felt like God said to me, you know, I don't mean like an audible voice, it's just, it's usually when I'm in the word, but I feel like it's in my heart and it's in my mind, and I felt like God said two words to me, stop it, stop it. And he just just started reminding me about my story. He's like, you remember when you walked into that church in Rockford when you were 24? You just tried to take your life the week before and you walked into that church with drugs in your pocket. You remember that? Yeah. You remember how you were hopeless? Couldn't even dream of a future? And remember the experience you had with me there that day? Yeah. Yeah. Did I just take you back to that exact same room and let you stand on a stage and preach the gospel? Did people respond and are they now going to heaven for all of eternity because of it? Stop it. Stop trying to wear his armor. Stop trying to walk in his calling. Celebrate your story. Be grateful for your story. I got plans for your life. Stop it. And I wonder if some of you need to hear that today. Stop it. Sometimes I, I miss out on the joy that I could have in the moment, in the day, because I'm so busy comparing myself to usually people who do what I do, but, but at a different level. Sometimes I miss out on the joy that I believe Jesus Christ died to provide me with because I'm, I'm too busy worrying about today and tomorrow. See, I, I find myself when, I, when, I, when joy is the farthest from me, Usually it's because I've been saying what if way more than I've been saying thank you. Oh, good, I say, I, I just do it all the time. I'm like, what if? Like, what, what, if, what if stuff at the church stops working? What if it keeps working? Where are we going to put people and how are we going to do this and what if? What if they find out, I really don't know what I'm doing. What if the kids don't turn out right? And what if, what if I'm not a good enough dad? What if I'm not a good enough pastor? What if I'm not a good enough friend? What if, and what if this doesn't change? And what if the doctor's report is right? And what if? And I spend so much time saying what if. But I find the more joy in my life usually correlates with the more I'm saying thank you as opposed to what if. And I felt like again, just recently, and it's why we're having this talk today, I felt like, I felt like God said to me, uh, I'm sarcastic. And so sometimes I imagine God speaking to me a little sarcastic. <laughs> and I felt like God said to me lately, I got a what if for you. What if I accomplish every single dream you have in your heart? What if I exceed all your expectations, but one day you turn around and look back and didn't enjoy any of it? What if? And so I want to ask you: Is it possible? What if? Uh, what if you do graduate from high school, college, the intern program, the training that you're doing? And what if you get to this next level and you look back at that whole level and you realize like God did a whole bunch in my life and I'm not sure I enjoyed any of it because I worried the whole time. And this is where he was gonna bring me the whole time. Parents, what if the kids all grow up and all move out and you look back at this huge phase of your life and you wonder, Did I actually enjoy any of it? Was I just worried the whole time? What if God takes this dream that's in your heart? What if he takes your career and he takes it to levels that you haven't even thought possible yet? And what if you get to the end and you look back and go, look at all the things God did. And then you're not sure if you could answer the question the way you want. Did I actually enjoy it? Because this is the day that the Lord has made. And we can choose to be grateful and thankful and rejoice in it. But it's a choice, church. What if? I was reading Philippians. Actually, well, it doesn't matter. But the book of Philippians, theologians usually use one word to describe it. Joy. And I've been spending a lot of time in the book of Philippians. And I'm reading about this guy named Paul. And if there was ever a guy who had a reason to say what if and have a pity party and feel sorry for himself and go, my situation's not working out and the dream's not happening for me, it was him. If you study his life, you'll go, yep, it was him. And when he writes Philippians, this book that theologians usually say is all about joy, he's actually in a prison, chained to a guard, a million miles from his dreams. Nothing's going right. He had every reason in the world to be like, what if, what if, what if, oh no, poor me. And he writes this book that theologians now say is all about joy. And I've been asking myself, how? How's that possible? And I think if we could ask Paul, if we could say, how's that work? Like, how do you do that? How do you write a book that 2,000 years later we all look at and go, look at his joy. And yet nothing was going right in your life. And I think he'd say something like this. It's easy to choose joy today. When I know God's got tomorrow covered. It's easy to choose joy today when I know that the God who spoke and created mountains is taking care of my tomorrow. I don't have to say what if. I just say thank you today because he's got tomorrow. See, he said it like this, being confident of this He said, let me tell you where my confidence comes from. Let me tell you why I'm grateful in the middle of a prison cell. Let me tell you why I write about joy because I'm confident that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. He said, I just believe that God means what he says when when he said he's got tomorrow covered. So I can be grateful today in a situation that would wreck most of you because I just really believe it. I really trust that God's got my tomorrow. Sometimes I wonder if we just need to be reminded of that. Maybe that would help us worry a little less about today if we really started to allow ourselves to believe that God meant what he said when he said, I got tomorrow, right? I got an interesting Package in the mail recently. Huge box, like six, eight feet long box. And I'm like, what? I'm putting my ear on it like, is this safe? (laughs) And I opened it up. No note. No from this person to this person, nothing. And yet I knew everything that was being communicated. I opened it up and it was about a 6 foot long lightboard a lightboard that would like be in our tech booth today except for a much older bigger less tech savvy version kind of how tech works right it all gets better and smaller my friend jeremy sent it to me he now runs the church in illinois where i got saved and then where i interned and where i met my wife and I interned there for two years. I had a college degree, but I got saved. I felt like God was calling me to ministry. So I took this internship for two years for $50 a week. And I thought, well, this is training me to be a pastor. So they're probably gonna have me preach a lot. No, for two years, I ran that light board. And we had a youth room that sat about a thousand people. And it was this like just crazy explosive youth and young adult movement. But I didn't get to stand on the stage and preach, although that's what I felt called to do. I spent my two years in the very back of the room, the room went like this, and I spent my two years behind a light board. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with being behind a light board, and we have some of the most amazing people running tech right now at every single one of our services. Thank you guys, I love you. It wasn't about running a light board, it was about me feeling like God had me in a position that didn't line up with my dreams. And every Wednesday I would go into the room and I would bring down the truss, and I would think through the service. I don't get to be on stage, but that's where he'll stand. So I'm going to set lights for him and that's where she'll be. So I'm going to set lights for her. And this song starts out with a drum solo, so I'm going to zoom in on that. And then this song, and I would worship with that light board. This song, the way it transitions, it just makes me feel like it went from blue to red right there. And I'd be up there just worshiping with, with little gadgets. I thought, though, God had forgotten me, truth be told. Like, God, I gave up everything. And I'm not preaching running lights. That's just not what I feel like you're calling me to do. See, now I have a different vantage point. In fact, speaking of vantage points, my wife is a girly girl, and she wanted a daughter, and I gave her three sons. (laughs) And so she does not spend her time looking for dresses and playing with Barbies. She spends her time every single night almost right now in our lives at a boys' game. And oftentimes, I'm like, babe, when are you going to get this? I've been explaining this stuff to you for years. But we'll be like at Ashton's football game, and something will happen, and she won't get it. And I'll try to explain it. But we're, see, we're sitting at chairs, and we're on the level of the field. And it's hard for me to explain it because she doesn't see the whole thing at once. So every now and then, I'll be in the living room, and we'll be watching like an NFL game. You know, they have the cameras from the, the higher elevation, right, the different vantage point. And every now and then, I'll hit pause, and I'll go, Jill, come here. And I'll go, see, look. This is what was going on in Ashton's game today. And I can show her and you see it and you get it and you comprehend it because you see it from a higher vantage point. The most elevated position in our youth room was the tech booth. In fact, what I didn't know is when it came to watching people worship, watching people respond to Jesus, watching people experience life change, you know who had the best view in the house? I did. Over a hundred times in a two-year period, God showed me from from an elevated vantage point, this is what's possible. I was a church planner in training. I didn't know it. I was a preacher in preparation. I didn't know it. thought I was running lights. He's like, no, I need you to see all of it. I need you to take it all in. And now it's, it's interesting because I I watch podcasts like a bunch of you do and a lot of people who do what I do love to come out on the stage during worship and and a lot of pastors love to be up here and watch you worship from up here because it's a beautiful thing. But if you know me very well and a lot of people that volunteer behind the scenes know my favorite place to watch worship is standing on the back wall. That's where I was trained. I didn't learn to be a pastor on a stage. I learned to be a pastor in the back of a room. And so that's my favorite place to watch worship. I sneak out during worship and I go stand in the back and I just watch. And I remember what's possible. And my friend was saying to me when he mailed me this light board, look what God has done. God had a plan the entire time, didn't he? Funny how that works out. Like I knew exactly what he was saying. He didn't need to put a note with it. I want some of you to know right now You can be set free from comparison. You don't have to try and make your calling match up with somebody else because the God of the universe is working behind the scenes on your calling. And you don't have to spend all your time worrying and saying, what if this doesn't work out? Because the God of the universe is working behind the scenes in ways you don't even know right now. And so my prayer for us as a church family is this. God, set us free from comparison in Jesus' name. God, set us free from worry in Jesus' name. And God, remind us on a daily basis, on a minute-by-minute basis if necessary, that you're working in our lives even when we can't see it. I'm telling you, church, we start to stand on this truth. And that verse that we read earlier is possible, Psalm 118, 24. This can become a reality for us. This in the middle of my current circumstances that don't exactly make sense. This is the day the Lord has made and I will rejoice and be glad in it. In Jesus' name. At every location, let's stand up, let's pray. God, I thank you that you're with us right now. I thank you that your presence is with us right now. And I pray, God, that as we begin to worship you, that we would sense you in such a real and authentic way that you would begin to speak to every single one of us about our lives right now, about our biggest fears right now, about our biggest concerns right now. If we're dealing with the comparison thing, I pray, God, you call us on it right now. If worry is stealing our joy that you've intended for us to have today, I pray you'd help us see it right now. And I pray you would remind every single one of us that you're working behind the scenes in powerful, powerful ways, even when we can't see it. It's our absolute honor to worship you now in Jesus' name. And everybody at every location said, Amen. amen. Let's worship.